you go ahead and be seated and uh, bow your heads with me. We're going to pray before we start. Dear Lord God, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you, Lord God, for a God who surrounds us and protects us and helps us in our time of need. Help us, Lord God, to be faithful as we encounter your word today and discover uh, another element of discipleship, Lord God. And uh, we will find that we discover it in the smallest of ways and the ways that we weren't looking. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I, I want to draw your attention to uh, Matthew 18. Matthew 18, starting in verse 1. But Matthew 18, verse 1, picks up and it says, The disciples are having a discussion. And they say, At, the, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. I thought this was very interesting because as I started thinking of discipleship and as I kind of started looking over what to expect, I started thinking about how we need to be more childlike in our faith and what that may look like. Douglas Adams, uh, the author of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, was quoted as saying this, Don't you understand that we need to be childish in order to understand? Only a child sees things with perfect clarity because it hasn't developed all those filters which prevent us from seeing things that we don't expect to see. Uh, many of us would agree that as we get older, there are more influences and more filters that seem to affect what we think, feel, and believe. And the great part about children is they are very impressionable. And I think that's what Jesus loved about the children. As the children drew near to him, they were impressionable. They could be imprinted upon with the message of God. They would receive Jesus where many would rationalize Jesus away. So Jesus called the children to himself and said, Unless you become like one of these, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But it's interesting because as an author of fiction, Douglas Adams understands the value of creative imagination. He understands the ability to see beyond that which exists. As a child... And as children, we are told that if we can dream it, we can do it. Yet in the midst of everything, life has a way of overwhelming us. And we lose sight of the hope we once held as children. And the hope we held for tomorrow. We grow up, we get married, we buy a house, we have children and settle into our jobs and pay the bills. And before we know it, we have a midlife crisis realizing that we lost sight of the dreams and ambitions that we had as children. The dreams have taken a back seat to the bills that need paid, and we tell ourselves that we will make things better for our children. We will give them the opportunities that we never had. But the irony about opportunities is opportunities are often not given as much as opportunities are often seized. They are seized by those who have bold imaginations, people who aren't afraid to take risk and try hard and work hard at the things they are passionate about. I love the, the children, and I love a child's ambition. They hold uh, so much. You see, a child never counts the cost of a dream. They just dream it. 
you know, so many children, they, they say, well, I want to be an astronaut, or I want to be a fireman, or I want to be a police officer. And, uh, you know, they dream all these dreams, and they never count the cost. And I think there's something to be said for that. Because as we get older, usually it is the cost of something that talks us out of it. Well, man, I would love to do this, or I would love to do that. But it just, it costs too much. It takes too much time. It takes too much energy. It takes too much money. And we need, as a church especially, we need to get back to this idea of dreaming and, and having a passion and a desire to, to glorify God because the world is changing. And the way we once did things doesn't work anymore. And we have to dream new dreams. It is the well-meaning adult who diminishes the dreams of a child because they lost sight of their own dreams. Don't let your failed dreams be a hindrance to your children's dreams. Instead, open doors and roll out red carpets for a child's dream. Maybe they dream something, and maybe they fail. That's fine. Pick them up, dust them off, and encourage them to pursue that dream again. That's why Jesus said, I think in part, Jesus said, do not hinder these children to come unto me. And if you place a stumbling block before them, uh, he said that it would be better that a millstone would be tied around your neck and that you would be dropped into the depths of the ocean. You see, as disciples and as disciple makers, we need to begin to disciple our children. They hold the future. Not only do they hold the future, but they hold the creative imagination to reach the lost and to reach the future in ways that we never have. I am thinking of ways to reach the lost that my father never did 30 years ago. For whatever reason that may be, maybe it's because of the technology that we're exposed to. Maybe it's the, the way that we can transport and travel now. But we are thinking of ways to reach the lost that the generation before never did. And we have to continue to encourage that imagination and that insatiable desire. But this is, I, I, never, I never want children to settle for a 9 to 5 when God has placed it in their heart to have a dream for 27 hours, for, for 20, uh, 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. God places dreams in people's hearts, but oftentimes we diminish people and, and try to, to put them in a box. But the, the, the world is changing. Church is changing. And we have to think of creative and imaginative ways to change with it. And I think we need to begin to look to the next generation for their creative ideas. I've seen, so many, I've seen so many people my age who had creative ideas that were, were snuffed out by the, the generation before them, and I hope that you know, we, we are cautious with things like that. Because even, even in ideas that seem so far-fetched, and you think, well, that makes no sense for our context. Well, maybe it doesn't now, but maybe it will in three years, maybe it will in four years, maybe it will in five years. But our children are thinking already of ways to reach a lost and dying world that we will never think of. And we have to begin to be disciple makers that will encourage creative thought. If we are, if we are hoping to reach the next generation. Matthew 19, it follows up, and it's interesting about Matthew 19. I read to you from Matthew 18. Just a chapter later, Jesus engages the disciples, and there are some mothers and there are children, and the mothers are bringing their children 
to the disciples, and the disciples try to push them away. And Jesus says, no, no, do not hinder them to come unto me. And he says this specifically, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and bless them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on them and blessed them before he left. Now, i, I got to be honest. What would it be like? I, I am curious to think what those children went on to do for the kingdom of God, having been blessed by, by God himself. What if we brought our children? What if we brought our good ideas? And we raise them, and, and we talk about this with uh, baby dedications. But what if we raise them in the fear of the Lord? And we encourage their new ideas, and we encourage their creative thought, and we encourage them to be um, insatiable for their desire for God. I want to draw your attention to the word children, though, here. In the Greek, uh, the Greek translation, this word for children is paideia. It is translated not only as little child, but it is translated as playful child. The word brings with it a certain amount of excitement and childlike wonder. This is what I want you to take away with you today. As disciples, God wants us to take on the insatiable imagination of infants. He wants us to, I love looking at children. I love watching to see how their creative minds come up with new ways of, of doing things. My daughter is at that age where she's two years old and she's learning to problem solve for the first time. And even if it's something as simple as taking her chair and pushing it up against the ottoman so she can take step by step in order to get into my chair, I love her creative thought. And I never want that to go away. I never want her imagination to go away. I never want that insatiable desire that she has to learn new things to go away. And yet in the church and in disciples, it is a tendency that we, we let our desires and our imagination kind of go adrift as we settle into something that we're familiar with. We take a job and we pay the bills, and we do all these things for our family, and those are important. But we can't allow our dreams and our passions to take second place when God is calling us to something bigger. Now let me explain this for a minute. First, the word insatiable. The word insatiable is defined as impossible to satisfy. Scripture says in 1 Peter 2, 2 through 3. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow to the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Are you insatiable today? Do you have an insatiable desire for the Lord? You know, as I, as I think of disciples, you know, one thing I love about Peter, he messed a lot of things up. But he had insatiable desire to be near God. It was, it was Peter's insatiable desire, the person who wrote this, this, to have a desire for spiritual things. It was the person who wrote this, that his insatiable desire for the kingdom of God, his insatiable desire for Jesus, is what caused him to step outside of the boat and walk on water. 
So despite all of his shortcomings, he is still the only person in human history to walk on water. All because he had an insatiable desire to be near and to be with Jesus. What if we had that kind of insatiable desire? Just as a child craves her mother or her, or her father, what if we had that insatiable desire? Lavender is at that age where she is, she wants mommy. She screams for mommy. Even when mommy's not around, she wants mommy. She has that insatiable desire that she can't have enough of her mother. What if we had that relationship with Jesus Christ? I think this was one of the main reasons Jesus rebuked the disciples for scolding the mothers and the children. I think he looked at the situation and thought to himself, Wow, I wish my disciples desired me the way these children desire their mothers. I wish the disciples depended on me the way these children depend on their mothers. Perhaps he even spoke with Peter afterwards and said, You know what, Peter? How about instead of rebuking these children... You learn from them. What if you desired me? What if you desired to come after me the way these children go after their mother? We have a lot to learn from a child's, the attributes of a child that we see on a daily basis. For those of you who have children, maybe you've raised your children. If you have children, begin to watch them. Because I think we can learn a lot about our spiritual life from watching our children. I have, I have come to learn more and understand more about my relationship with a heavenly father as I have become a father myself and watched my daughter mature and grow. And sometimes I watch her as she she grows and she learns, and I thought, what if I took that and applied it to my spiritual life? What if I was that creative with learning new things? What if I desired the word of God the way she desires those things? How would I grow? How would I mature in my own life? When is the last time you found yourself pursuing God with such an insatiable desire? Because it's it's when we find that insatiable desire, when we can't be satisfied enough, when we can't get enough of His Word, when we can't get enough of His time, that we begin to grow and mature spiritually. I am reminded of a movie, as I was writing this sermon, I was reminded of a movie um, called Pumping Iron. And in one scene of Pumping Iron, I, I love this scene, but uh, and if you're not familiar with the movie, it's a bodybuilding movie, and it's about a competition um, between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno was uh, the Incredible Hulk in the 1980s. Big, muscular guy. Arnold Schwarzenegger was getting ready to t- retire. Lou Ferrigno has just gotten into the competition and they're showing snippets of their training. And Lou Ferrigno is lifting weights, and he's lifting weights, and he gets done lifting, and he racks it, and he goes, I'm not satisfied. I want more weight. I want to beat him. I'm not satisfied. And he puts on more weight, and he starts lifting the weight, and he says, Arnold, Arnold, Arnold. He has his mind and his objective, and he's, and he's reminding himself of what his objective is of accomplishing this victory. And as I was writing this, I started thinking to myself, what if we had that insatiable desire that that while we were reading, while we were praying, while we were studying, we would say, that's not enough. I want more. I want more. I want more of this God that I love so much. 
and we begin to, to say over and over the people that we were praying for and the people that we were trying to win to Christ. Lord, it's not enough that, it's not enough that Rory comes to church, but I want his neighbor to come to church. Lord, it's not enough. I want more. I want more. What if we had that insatiable desire? What if iron sharpened iron? My friends and I joke around about this movie scene, and every time I'm lifting with one of my buddies, we get done lifting weights, and I look at him, and he looks at me, and I said, I want more weight. I want to, I want to lift more than him. And we have this ongoing joke. But it pushes him, and it pushes me. When's the last time your insatiable desire for God motivated other people into a desire for Him? Because when your desire and your passion for Him is truly insatiable, I think people look at it and I think they see it. And they are strengthened and empowered. I love the wonderlust of a child. They are never satisfied, always curious, always excited to learn and grow and try new things. The only thing more beautiful than a child's insatiable desire for knowledge is their insatiable imagination. The things that children come up with, the things that they see. I have a picture, and I think we have it right here. That is, that is lavender. And uh, I, I love this picture of her because I think it's interesting. I want to know what she's dreaming of because I can tell she's in and out of that sleep. And she's thinking on something, and she's dreaming, and she's imagining. And I want to have that desire to imagine new and creative ways to reach the lost. I want to find new and creative ways to evangelize. I want to find new and creative ways to lead worship and to preach and to study. And as I, and as I look back at this picture, every time I see this picture of her, I was actually holding her that day. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I would just love to know what she's thinking. And I look over so many people and I think to myself, I wonder what they're thinking. What good ideas are out there for reaching the kingdom of God that we just haven't tapped into yet? Because maybe we haven't asked. When's the last time, when's the last time we ask our children maybe how they would like to learn? And I'm not saying we can do that every time, but maybe every once in a while we could ask our children, what would help you to learn more about Jesus? How could you grow? Children, children know what they like and they know what they don't like. But maybe we could ask them. Their minds are not restricted by limits or traditions. They are free, free to be shaped and free to be molded. The problem is, we have molded our children into something God never intended. If we as parents aren't molded into the image of God, how can we mold our children into His image? We must not cloud the imagination, but we must encourage free thought, and we must encourage creative new ideas. In the movie Yours, Mine, and Ours, the mother says to the husband, homes are for free expression, not good impressions. And it's, it's a little play on words, but I think it's an important thought. Our homes and our churches 
must be a place where children can express their good ideas. But not only children. You see, so many people go outside the world to find creative ways to express themselves. Because I think oftentimes it wasn't accepted originally in the church. But what if we... Be, I, I've been studying a lot in my, my uh, preaching classes. And, and one of the big topics is the church. The church should be the most creative place on the planet. And the next generation, even the generation after me, and I was, I was talking to someone, and I told them, I said, I was a youth pastor less than 10 years ago. And in, in many ways, I'm already outdated from the teenagers at this, at this time. If we don't continue to look to the next generation for new and creative ideas, they will take their new and creative ideas and go elsewhere. So we must encourage the church to be the most creative place in the world where they can express their insatiable imagination and pour it out on the congregation in new and creative ways of reaching the lost and worshiping and ministering to the people. We are all excited by new things. I mean, when we get a new phone or, or when we get a new TV or when something new comes on, we, are, we love creativity. Why not make the church the most creative place in the world for people to come? Where people can try new ideas? When was the last time we consulted our children on what they wanted to do for junior church and our teenagers on how they wanted to minister or be ministered to. I used to do this when I was a youth pastor. I used to do this about once, once every two or three months. I would ask the kids, what would help you? How can I help you? How can I teach you better? And it was great. It taught me so much as a young youth pastor to know how the children were being communicated to because I thought I had the perfect plan. I thought my ideas were so good. And then they told me they weren't. And I learned from them and I listened to them. And I became better for it. Are we or are we still under the belief that children are to be seen and not heard? Now I am not saying that there isn't a, a, a time and a place for everything. But our children, our children hold untapped potential for growing and learning and studying the kingdom of God. And I believe so much that as disciple makers, we need to encourage discipleship in, in, in multifaceted ways. We need to learn to communicate to the children and, and listen to them. We need to, to learn to listen to our peers and to our elders and get a well rounded approach to how we can carry the truth of God to the next generation. we got to think of creative ways to do things. Because the world is changing. The world is recreating itself. It's evolving into new ideas. And we need to move with it. We, we can... Uh, the message can never change. But the methods must always be changing to keep up with what we have and what we deal with on a daily basis. It is the insatiable imagination of infants 
that allows them to believe wholeheartedly that Jonah was eaten by a whale, that Daniel survived in a pit of lions, and that Jesus rose from the dead. Their insatiable imagination allows them to see the supernatural that the adult mind has scientifically explained away. This is why the vast majority of Christians find salvation between the ages of 4 and 14. Because their minds are still fresh. They still have creative thought. They still believe that imagination can carry them to new places. And when you tell them a story like Peter walked on water, they don't reason it away. They believe in the magnificence of God. And they hold on to that faith as they grow. If 4 to 14 is when the majority of people find salvation, then where should we be investing the majority of our time and effort? It's beautiful what we, have down, what we have here. It's beautiful that we are sitting here and we are talking and we are ministering and we are discipling. But it's the children downstairs. It's the workers downstairs that are pouring into the kingdom so vastly. It is, it, it is why when, whenever Kaylee asked me, I help volunteer with the children. Because as much as I love preaching, I also love the idea that downstairs with the children is the age range that gives us the most potential for someone coming to salvation. It's the coffee shop when we have youth group that holds the greatest potential for salvation. If we're going to make disciples, why not make disciples of children? I want to challenge you with this thought today. What would it look like if we became filled with an insatiable desire and imagination for the kingdom of God? Perhaps we would find ourselves daily desiring the word of God. Perhaps we would serve the Lord enthusiastically. Perhaps we would come up with fresh ideas to reach the lost. A child filled with insatiable imagination knows no stranger and has no enemies. Lavender knows no strangers. That excites me and terrifies me at the same time. She'll say hi to anybody. She'll talk to anybody. What if we carried that same insatiable desire and intrigue to reach people and to talk to people and to love on people? Maybe God could use us in new ways, new creative ways. Maybe someone would come up with something that we never thought of before. And we could move into the next generation and reach them. I pray that you would think on this today. I pray that you would think of creative ideas and pray and, and evaluate your life today. And say, is, is my desire for God as insatiable as it was when I first got saved? And if it's not, what's stopping you from that? As, as I wrote this and as I've been praying, as, I, as I've been thinking, one of my thoughts is, Lord, I want my desire to become insatiable for you. I want to have creative and imaginative thoughts on how to reach the lost and how to do things differently. I want to see the kingdom of God in my life. And if the kingdom of God is tied to children, 
then why not look upon our children and see what we can learn from them? Maybe they're teaching us and we don't even see it. But as parents, it would be good for us to open our eyes and watch them. Because I learn something new from my daughter every day about how I can interact with my Heavenly Father. But sometimes we have to be reminded of that. So hopefully this reminded you of that. Bow your heads with me, if you will. Dear Lord, I thank you for this wonderful day. Lord God, as children came to you, Lord God, we pray that we would come to you. We pray that we would desire you, Lord God, just as a child desires their mother. We pray, Lord God, that we would have an insatiable desire for your word. Lord God, give us fresh ideas. Give us a new imagination, Lord God, so that we can reimagine you in new ways, Lord God, in ways that we can share the kingdom of God with the lost and dying world. Help us, Lord God, to be faithful in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.